Praise the Lord. We're back in God's house. Yeah. Amen. God never left. He's always been here. So welcome home, New Covenant. Yes, we're back. God's house. Praise the Lord. Let us rejoice in our God. Let us rejoice together. What a joy it is to be in God's house. Some of us aren't here. A lot of us are here. This place looks full, you know. We're, we're trying to do the social distancing thing, but uh, do what you need to do, right? And uh, it's great to be in the house. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah. I, I am a hugger. Uh, I've learned to be one anyway, and so I, I welcome that. So just so you know, some of you are not... Uh, you're huggers, but you're not there yet because of the pandemic, and that's okay, uh, and you need to come up with some sign, you know, to let the rest of us know, and I've been trying to think of that just to help you out, you know, uh, something like, hey, hey, that, that's, you know, it means I want to hey, but don't get too close, you know, so come up with something like that, let us know. Uh, wear the mask, whatever, and it lets us know to, because we want to be sensitive. We want to be sensitive to those who um, uh, want to be more distant than those who don't. So let's let's love each other. Uh, those who are not with us this morning, we want to be very sensitive to them. If they need to stay away to take care of themselves, we want them to stay away and take care of themselves. Um, we don't want to treat anybody second class. Uh, we are brothers and sisters together. Uh, and we want to be very sensitive to where you are on that spectrum of sensitivity or social distancing. But so got, glad to, to be with you this morning. Um, I uh, brought my phone. Oh, somebody's already turned on the, the lights. All right, turned it off just so I could show you how to do your bulletin. You know, one time we, we killed bulletin. This is first time since then. That was about 20 years ago. I thought, you know, we could save like $6,000 and not print bulletins. So I didn't print bulletins one week. I have never had more complaints. And I am the chief executive officer of the complaint department, you know. And I've never had more complaints than when we quit doing bulletins. And so we immediately brought them back, said it was definitely worth it. But for this pandemic, we said we won't pass out anything uh, so that you don't have to touch something somebody else's touched. But we have been doing bulletin online for years now. So if you are not aware of that and you need that bulletin, I mean, you just have no comfort there without it. Uh, you can get it this morning. You need, if you don't have the app already, download version. It's free. You spell that Y-O-U-V-E-R-S-I-O-N, version. So just go to your app store download version. It'll be a free app for you. And then when you get that app, it comes up on your phone as Holy Bible. I don't know why it doesn't come up as version. I would have brought it up that way so I knew what it was. But it comes up as Holy Bible. It's a great Bible app, and you can search the Bible. You can have the Bible in various languages. It's a great app uh, for, for lots of things. But it also lets churches who want to use this app put their bulletin on there. So once it comes up as Holy Bible, if you've already got it, you hit on that, uh, and then it says, good morning, David. Isn't that nice? Yours probably won't say that, but uh, mine does. In the bottom right-hand corner, it says more. Where it says more, if you hit that, 
Then you get a, a, a long list of things. About seven down, it says events. Hit the events tab. And when you do, all the churches that use that app, a little map, come up. Uh, and our church is going to be first because you're closest to it physically. So it says New Covenant Church as an event that's going on live right now. If you hit that, then you see on the um, New Covenant Church comes up. And then you see the prelude, that song was there. Welcome announcements by David Roundtree. It's right there. See the order of worship. When it gets down to the scripture, Jonathan's reading, I'm reading. It's all right there. Uh, the outline of the sermons, all right there. Uh, our normal stuff. And we've been doing that for years. But now you might want to use it more than you did before. So um, there it is. And I'll try to turn this off because so, people always call me while I'm working. All right. <clears throat> So there it is, Uversion app, hope that helps you. People have asked me already, what are we doing with communion and offering that's different? Well, this is a lot different. If you, we've got visitors here this morning. This is not the way we normally do it. But the way we're doing it right now to be sensitive to those who want a social distance. So at the right time in the service uh, for communion, we will do the offering at the same time as communion. And y'all will get up row by rows. Ushers will allow you to uh, come at the right time. Um, you don't have to get up. You can stay in your seat. You don't have to take communion. You don't have to bring an offering. But uh, those of you who want to participate in that part of the service, you will be uh, coming each of the three sections. You'll go out that way to your left. And you will come by one of these uh, tables. Offering will be first. So if you have an offering, you put it in the plate, then your hands are free to pick up the bread, to pick up the wine, go back to your seat, and uh, you can take it when you get back to your seat. Um, if we have to wait on everybody to come back, we're going to mess up, you know, so uh, it's just hard to hold wine and bread that long for some people. So um, take it back to your seat and um, uh, take it there. So. You'll have ushers that make all of that uh, very uh, safe and it, it, easy to understand. All of the bread was prepared uh, this morning by uh, a couple that wore masks and were sanitized, so it's all been taken care of that way, and it's covered for that reason. It's spread out, so it's not bunched together. You can take one individual piece without touching another piece, uh, etc. So we've tried to make it as safe as sanitized as possible, something we don't always do, but that's, um, that's the way it is this morning. Uh, several other announcements I want to make. Uh, our blood drive is this Saturday uh, in our parking lot. Uh, we've got people to sign up, but some people, are their schedule are changing. We may have a few fall-offs uh, and spots for people to give blood that weren't signed up originally. Um, if you can be one of those overflow people to, to fill a slot, see Tim Brunel. You can email him, text him. He's here this morning, um, uh, and uh, he'll give you all the directions. But it's this Saturday, Blood Drive, uh, just for our church, and uh, hope you can participate if, if needed for that. Um, I, I want to encourage you to pray for a revival. Uh, pray that God will use this pandemic, this time, to just continue to grow and bless His church. Uh, Jonathan and I, I don't know how many others, we parked in the hospital parking lot over there this morning. Hospital's given us permission because before uh, the pandemic started, we were growing at such a rate, we didn't have enough parking spaces. 
And so we've already gotten permission to park in the back. And Jonathan and I did that. We're making room, okay? So we want the rest of you to invite your friends, um, invite your neighborhood, come and continue to grow uh, God's kingdom. Bless His church. Pray that God will use this time because God has blessed us with His word, His truth, the solutions people need during this time. Uh, and we can go into the world and minister to those needs um, and continue to build God's kingdom. So pray for that. Um, it's like I said in one of my online messages, uh, inviting you back. Uh, you can be tentative about your health. We get that. But let's not be tentative about our worship. Let's be all in when it comes to worshiping God and being a minister and an ambassador for Christ. Encourage that. Pray for that during this time. Uh, in our service this morning, I'll, I'll uh, explain our memorial uh, moment for Herb Brochet. We've got three sets of flowers up here. We also have a funeral service this afternoon. We had a funeral service for Herb uh, about a, a week ago. Uh, we have a funeral service this afternoon at 3 o'clock, which you're welcome to attend, for uh, Amanda Wilson, uh, Patterson Wilson, which, who is the daughter of Paul and Brenda Patterson. I don't know if the Patterson said they were going to be here. I haven't seen them yet, uh, if they're here now. Uh, but they obviously will be here this afternoon uh, at 3 o'clock. And so um, one of these sets of flowers uh, is for the Pattersons and their funeral. But, but Mark and Amy, you're back there. One's for Amy's family, one's for Mark's family, uh, in honor of her Brochet, uh, your dad, uh, this morning as well. So these flowers are some of our gift as a church to you um, uh, in uh, honor of your dad and, and uh, for the Pattersons in the loss of their daughter this afternoon. We'll have that uh, service. Um, Let's see, what else? Michaela Butler's here. Some of you might not know her. I'm going to introduce her in a minute. Uh, but uh, uh, So I'll wait for the introduction. But a lot of you participated by giving financially, and some of you participated by coming to the work day, and some of you participated by coming to the her moving day. Uh, but she uh, came to, as a, to join Anderson as a resident, has a gorgeous house on Bellevue Avenue, and some of you helped uh, fix up the yard, some of you helped move her in, and some of you helped pay for it all. So uh, I just wanted to thank you as a community for, for loving Michaela. Her dad and mom are here, Kent and Ann. Uh, so glad to have y'all in this service. Uh, Kent said he, he drove all the way, from, they're from Arkansas, drove all the way from Arkansas just to hear me preach this morning. That's pretty cool. Uh, so um, so glad to have them. Uh, the church is doing great at this time. Um, it took a couple weeks. Our offerings and stuff were down for a few weeks because it just took us a while to figure out what's going on. But you figured out how to be faithful to the God. And you either mailed your offering in. We had people starting to come by and drop it off. A lot of you figured out how to do it electronically if you weren't doing it that way before. Uh, and God's been blessing us and growing us even during the pandemic. So all praise to God. I am excited to be with you. I love you guys. And... I hadn't told you that lately. You know, I get to do it this morning, and it's so excited. I'm, um, I'm ready to, to worship and praise God with you this morning. Well, we're going to jump in Psalm 100, which calls us to worship him together. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. 
Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. I am excited. Let's stand and let's sing together. So you know how good it is. Dwells in the presence of 
good to sing together this morning. You may be seated. Good morning. Good morning. We both had another song on our list. So. Yep. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we were waiting for you to sing more. Yep, sorry about that. I was kind of a little off guard. But here we are. We're here. That's exciting. Amen. Amen. Um, it's really good to see everybody. It's really great to be back in the house of the Lord. Like David said, I just want to echo that. Um, it's really great to be here. I've missed, you know, you kind of miss being together with everyone, worshiping God, and, and it's a joy to be here. And I thought about what I wanted to say, and I realized I didn't really want to say anything. I think, like, I would rather spend this time praying with you than actually talking to you. So let's, let's turn to the Lord in prayer right now. Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the opportunity that we have today to come together and worship you. Um, through these, the chaos of these last few months, we turn to you and we trust in your sovereign will. And while we know you're sovereign, we also know that you want us to pray and, we, and make our needs known to you. Thank you that you care enough about us that to want to listen to our prayers. Uh, I want to lift up to you, first, all of those who have suffered and are suffering with this pandemic. We pray that you would comfort those who are suffering with this disease and those who uh, have suffered and provide for those who are affected financially, Father. Please to continue to give wisdom to our leaders, our civil leaders, as well as our pastors um, during this time. Um, Father, please, we want to lift up to those of you, to you, those who are sick and hurt, Lord. I want to lift up Audrey Meyer to you. I pray that you would heal her leg as she broke it while she was ministering to children. Give her a speedy recovery from that surgery and ease her pain. Similarly, uh, Lord Amy Noblet, as you know, she, she's recovering from her surgery of a broken leg, and may it be speedy and uh, ease her pain as well, Father. The pain, um, and give, give her peace through this time as, as being in the hospital and uh, during the COVID pandemic can be uh, a little scary, Father. I want to lift up Renee Poor to you as well ease her pain from a, a bulging net disc in her neck and give the doctors wisdom in finding a solution. And throughout all of these hard times, Father, we, uh, we ask for your comfort for those who have lost loved ones, like the Bershay family, uh, as they mourn the loss of Herb and all the lives he's touched. Lord, I pray with, with our church that you would um, comfort those who mourn, as well as the Pattersons, Father, with the loss of Amanda. And while we're grateful that they're in heaven now, Lord, we mourn um, with the, those who mourn and losing them here. Please, Lord, make yourself known wholly to these families as the God of peace and give them comfort in these difficult times. Finally, Lord, thank you for bringing Michaela to us in our church. I pray that you would bless her and her ministry here, Lord, that you would be glorified and we would be edified through what you do in her ministry. Uh, I want to echo, David, Lord, that you would bring revival, bring revival to our city, bring revival to our town and to our church, Lord, that this pandemic would be one that would ultimately show your glory and how you provide. We ask all of these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Joel. Uh, I'm going to ask Michaela to come forward now, and um, 
I'll introduce her. It's so good, glad to have her. Uh, like I said, she grew up in Arkansas, and uh, she's been other places. I'll let you get to know her. How about that? Little by little. But uh, she has come to be our guest services women's ministry counselor. So she's um, here to, to learn and take care of all of our guests that are coming. Uh, to do that, she has to know all of our members. Uh, and so uh, her job for the next uh, two weeks is to, to learn all of your names and faces. And some of you haven't done that in 10 years. You know, you don't know who sits on the other side of the room here, and I'm expecting her to learn all of that in two weeks, okay? It's impossible uh, to, for her to know all of you uh, and for then to know all of our guests. We just want to love one another well, and so we've, we've asked Michaela to come help us do that, to get to know one another better and to know one another well. It's going to really help her if you get to know her, because she's uh, so... Um, uh, we're setting up, you know, where you take person a meal. Uh, that app, uh, instead of taking Michaela a meal, uh, we're going to use the same app, and you can sign up when you want to have her over, okay, into your home and uh, get to know her and let her get to know you. Uh, and uh, so we'll give you all the information for that. But just that's going to help her do her job, and uh, you're going to love getting to know Michaela. Uh, I've enjoyed spending time with her. But uh, First thing she's going to do is join us. She's coming as a member of New Covenant Church. I'm going to ask her the same vows we've all taken as members. Um, Michaela, we have four membership vows here, which uh, I think you're aware of, but a lot of times I introduce them this way. We expect you to be a sinner. Can you take care of that? Yeah, you got that. We expect you to believe in Jesus. We expect you to live Christianly, and we expect you to care about the church. Those really are our four vows summed up. Here's the formal version. So let me ask you to respond to this. Do you confess that you are a sinner, justly deserving hell, without hope of gaining forgiveness of your sin or entrance into heaven apart from the sovereign mercy of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Do you? And have you trusted Jesus Christ to be the Son of God and Savior of sinners? Have you received Him alone for your salvation? acknowledging Him as your supreme Master and Lord. Have you? Yeah. And do you promise to be a faithful member of the flock of God at New Covenant, trusting in the gracious enablement of the Holy Spirit? Seek to live like a follower of Christ as directed by the Word of God, honoring Christ in your relationship, supporting His bride, the church, through your prayers, Bible study, regular attendance upon worship, tithing of your financial resources, and unselfish Christian service. Do you? And knowing that Christ, the head of the church, has promised, to, uh, has given authority to the elders to rule his church according to his word, do you humbly submit to the government and discipline of the church and promise to strive for its purity and peace? Thank you. So welcome, Michaela. All right. Her, her job is, like I said, is foreboding. There's a lot for her to do. Um, and I put in the prayer request I gave you yesterday, pray that she's got more than she can do. Uh, I think she already does, but uh, we want to pray for, for revival. We want to pray for more and more. I want to, um, uh, in just a minute, invite the, the elders, other elders here to join me. And we want to lay hands on Michaela and commission her for this work, which is what we've done with other staff persons. And um, in doing that, I want to read uh, 2 Timothy 1, verses 6 and 7. It says... For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh 
the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Here's the example God's given us in the scriptures that through the laying on of hands of an elder, uh, someone gets a, a, it's like a special dispensation of God's spirit. It says, says you, you, what you got from that experience was power, love, and discipline. And so we want to gather as the scripture gives us this example and lay on our hands and say, we, we want you to go into this field of ministry with power, with love, uh, with discipline to do the work. And so that's what we're praying for as uh, we pray for Michaela. And you join us and pray with us. I'm going to give uh, Michaela a chair so we don't weigh her down uh, with our uh, hands. But uh, elders, come join me. We will pray for uh, Michaela here. And uh, the congregation can uh, uh, join us as well as, uh, as we pray and commission Michaela for this work. Uh, I'll begin us and Mark can close us. Let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, you have so blessed us as a church that we need more help. And you've brought to us Michaela Butler. Thank you, Father. And even before the COVID pandemic, Michaela was on track to be here with us. And so we know and we see examples of it in the room here this morning that even in these uncertain times, you are growing New Covenant Church. And we need help with this ministry. So we ask that you would anoint Michaela with power, with love, with discipline. To do this work of being our guest services, women's ministry counselor. Father, may many knock on her door for counsel. May many guests seek her out. Um, May you give her the discipline to seek others out. May many of the women's ministries be advanced further. Uh, through bringing her here. Lord, protect her. Provide for her. Uh, May her mom and dad who are here with us this morning always have confidence their daughter is safe here and doing a mighty work for you. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Father, God, we... um... Paul writes in Galatians, and let us not grow weary of doing good, and in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have an opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. God, we do not want to grow weary, and we just ask that you would use Michaela to spur us on. Um, Don't uh, don't let us um, forgo the act of doing good because she's here, but let us be encouraged by her work, by her words, uh, by her love to us. And likewise, Father, help us love her well. Give her, um, help us to be a great community, a family to her, especially as she's far from uh, what has been home. Um, Lord, protect her. Um, give her wisdom. We ask your um, uh, blessing on all that she does. Father, but most of all, we just ask that her love and desire and dedication be to Christ alone, our Savior and our Lord. It's in his name we pray. Lord God, we thank you so much that we can come back together again and that we can um, be together as a church 
Father, we thank you for Michaela coming, and we ask your blessing on all that she does here. Um, I, I, I want to pray the prayer that Paul prayed for the Ephesians um, and, and ask it for the whole family at New Covenant Church and for Michaela um, that you would grant to us, according to the riches of your glory, to be strengthened with power through your spirit and inner man so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith and that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, and that we may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Father, we do thank you for Michaela being here. We thank you for calling her to this ministry. We pray that you will fill her with your Holy Spirit. Father, give her wisdom in all that she does. Father, um, give her power. And Father, we pray that her ministry will grow and expand. And Father, help us to minister to her as she ministers in our midst. Lord, we praise you for calling her to this church. And Lord, we, we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Lord bless you. On May 19th, um, Tuesday, Herb Bershey passed away, um, and uh, there was a picture back there on the, still there, the, the back corner chair where Herb always sat, um, and there's probably not a person in the room that's a regular here that uh, did not know Herb Bershey. He never not sat in that, uh, that chair. And he was usually here, if you get here at 9.30 or 9.25 or 9.20, he was always here at 9, he, or sometimes even earlier. He was, he was just here, sitting uh, back there, waiting for worship to start, and uh, so we, we all uh, miss him. One of the things mentioned at, at the graveside service for Herb um, was, was his love for certain hymns. And, um, the, well, even before I, I share that with you... Uh, the family thought through, you know, a funeral last week um, when the church wasn't open yet, um, and uh, and then Herb was 91 years old. A lot of you who would have uh, may have wanted to attend his funeral would have been in his vulnerable age bracket, uh, and so as just dealing with all of that, saying maybe having a, a larger service a week ago wasn't the wisest thing. So as we talked about it, we said, let's put something in this service so those of us who couldn't attend um, his uh, memorial service a week ago could have a moment where you're able to, to grieve the loss of Herb as one of our family members, um, but also one to rejoice with him in the power of the resurrection uh, because of Christ. He's with God uh, eternally in heaven in glory right now. 
One of his favorite hymns was Amazing Grace. Of course, that's a favorite hymn of a lot of people. But Herb liked it best with a bagpipe. So uh, as we thought about that, said, you know, why not bring bagpipes in? And let's, let's do Amazing Grace. So this is our moment to remember uh, Herb Berchet, uh, to sing of the amazing grace God's given him and us, and to rejoice in uh, God's power among us. So uh, uh, Jonathan and our piper will, will lead us uh, in uh, Amazing Grace. Let's stand and sing together. Oh, 
grace then when we first begun amen we're going to continue singing so you can remain standing singing a song that is Uh, explaining the foundation of our hope, the foundation of the grace that God has given us in Jesus Christ. This is the reason that we can live with no fear in, in life or in death, because Christ has accomplished for us what we could not accomplish for ourselves, and God has given us an abundance of that amazing grace through him. So let us sing, Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery.
I pray and thank God together. Lord, what an amazing thing you have done to give us amazing grace in Christ Jesus that we can live with no fear because of the hope that we have that this life is not the end. But Lord, you have redeemed us and you have brought, brought us into the family of God that will live and rule and reign with Christ for all eternity. And Lord, would you fill us with that hope this morning, now more than ever. Lord, comfort all who are fearful, all who are doubting, all who are grieving, even those who are joyful. Lord, would you give us the comfort and the peace that only can be found in Jesus Christ. Lord, we praise you, we praise him, we praise your spirit that has given us, applied this salvation to our hearts. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can take your seats. Man, I am so glad I don't have to look at a camera this morning. Uh, so good to see y'all. First couple of weeks trying to do, looking at that camera to re record a sermon for y'all. I asked Jonathan, I said, I can't look at a camera and preach. I said, I just don't know how to do that. I said, can you get me a picture of the congregation? And he brought me several pictures of you guys that he already had. And we set those up right behind the camera so I could, I could look at uh, some of your faces. So some of you were, you know, Joe Novot, you're on front row. I was looking at you, man, the whole time. Uh, but anyway, uh, it was, it, it's tough. It's a whole lot more fun to be in a room full of uh, live people and not just your photograph. If you want to go ahead and open your Bibles, you can turn to Philippians chapter 4 this morning. Love to um, go through that text with you. But as I was thinking about what, what do I preach on for the first um, uh, Sunday back, and there was lots of things I wanted to preach on or wanted to address, but then I didn't know who was going to show up and whether that would be appropriate. And the more I prayed about it, the more I thought about it. I said, yeah, I want us all to come back to the family of God's and to God's house with just passionate love for one another, that we are the church loving one another and embracing one another. And to, if, if that's my passion that God's put on my heart for you, I thought, I got to deal with the elephant in the room. I mean, the big elephant in the room is that, you know, what's, what's the thing nobody's talking about? And the thing nobody's talking about is, is for us to do that. We've got to deal with divisiveness. Divisiveness is as big as I've seen it in my lifetime uh, in America, everywhere. And we're divided over this pandemic and our views about it. I mean, even this room has been set up differently this morning, and it's awkward for us. It's been set up to make certain people feel comfortable. And then there's this other group of people, it makes us feel uncomfortable. And nobody sometimes wants to talk about the other side, except that the other side, the people who think it's more comfortable, and those who think it's less comfortable, well, if, if you're not on my side, you're crazy. You know, your view is a crazy view. My view is the right view. And that goes on and on and on with so many things. 
Do we wash hands or not wash hands? Do we use sanitizer or not use sanitizer? Do we use mask or not wear mask? Do we socially distance or we don't socially distance? Do we stay home or do we go out? Do we have more concern or do we have less concern? And I bet every single one of you have divided views, not only in your own home, but certainly on your own street and certainly in the church. I mean, there's so many different views on how you should behave right now. And it's created a, a divided families. It's created divided nation. It's created divided churches. And so if we are to be the church of God, how great it would be if the world would look at us and see unity, see oneness, see a togetherness, say... That church, the church of Christ, they may have different views, but they are so at peace with one another. They are so united. They're so in love with one another. God tells us in his word, even Jesus prayed about it in John 17. He says, Father, I pray that they would be one, that they would be so united that the world would see them and see the love I have for them. And that's my prayer for us. There's a way forward for us. Um, if you are divided, does anybody, I'll do it easy. I'll make the survey easy. Does anybody not know somebody that disagrees with them on this view? No. Everybody knows somebody that disagrees with you. So you are divided with someone over your views. What's your plan for unity? What's your plan for peace? With those people, you are divided. Now, some of us are divided, and it's, it's, it's an easy divide. I get that. And some people we're divided with, and it's not an easy divide. I mean, you're ready to fight over certain things. What's your plan? Is the plan to fight, or is the plan to be at peace? Is the plan to be one. And I want to give you Philippians 4 because it's a place where we can go for a plan for peace and unity. And the world is not asking how, even the riots today, I don't, I don't hear the newscasters saying, what's the plan for peace? They just want to talk about what's the plan for me being right and the other party being wrong. Instead of what's the plan for unity, the plan for coming together, and for the plan for peace. That's what we need. That's how the church can be revived, and that's how the church can go forward with a great ministry for our nation. Let me uh, just kind of work you through some of Philippians 4, 1 through 9. Let's hear the first verse. Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and my crown in this way. Stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. Notice how it starts. My beloved brethren, whom I long to see. Man, I have been longing to see your faces. And many of you, you've been longing to see one another. That's important for us. And it's important for us to be together. And Paul said, man, I, I wanted to, to do that because you're my joy and my crown. I mean, I've spent so much time with you as I was 
you know, I told you I, I parked in the hospital parking lot making room for, for our guests uh, this morning. And so I was walking up the, the back uh, driveway to our, into the entrance, seeing the, the, the great building God facilities God's given us here. And knowing that, you know, 600 plus chairs are set out here this morning saying, God, you have, you filled this place so many times and done so much on this 15 acres of land. So many lives have been changed. Lives have been saved. Marriages have been restored. Kids have been brought to faith in Christ. Families have been brought to unity. I mean, so much has happened here in God's house. What a joy. What a crown. That's what Paul's talking about here. You're my joy. You're my crown. When I see you, I just, I'm excited because I, I see the work of God in and through you and in and through this place hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. So don't you long for that? Yes, we do. Then his next command, first command that he gives is stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. I mean, we love each other. Our love, what I want you to do is I want you to stand firm in the Lord. That doesn't mean stand still. It's different. Standing firm means don't stand off track. Don't slip. Don't move to the right or to the left. Stand firm where? In the Lord. The thing that has grieved me, nobody's asked me this question, so I'll ask myself, okay? David, what has grieved you most during this pandemic? The thing that has grieved me most during this pandemic is people come to me and they say, what's your view on this? What's your view on that? And we all have divided views. I know as soon as I share mine, you probably disagree. And then there's divide. What I would rather have, the question I'd rather have is, what would be our position in the Lord? What does the Lord say during this pandemic? What would it mean to stand firmly on the scriptures? It didn't say stand firm in CDC interim guidelines. It didn't say stand firm in what WHO, the World Health Organization, would recommend. It said stand firm in the Lord. What is that? And that's the right position. That's where we need to be. And that's what the world desperately is hungry for. If they hunger and thirst, they hunger and thirst for the Lord. So they must see people who are not presenting our views, the world's views, CDC views, but the Lord's view, stand firm in the Lord. It's really a whole other message, to th- or more, more, to think through that. But I encourage you, start getting, what is the Lord's view of health? What is the Lord's view of virus? I gave you a message online of 12 reasons why God often ordains virus for you, pain for you. 
So obviously our goal in life cannot just be to be virus-free if it might be His will for us to have it at times. What is our view in the Lord? And the command is to stand firm in that view. Not your view and not my view and not someone else's view. But to be able to back up our standing with God's Word. And what God says. So he gives us that uh, very important command. If we're not going to have peace, we're not going to have unity until we learn to stand firm in the Lord. Not standing still. Not taking sides. Taking the Lord's stand. And then he gives us five principles. Verses 2 through 9. To base our stand upon our stand for unity. And I, I'll, I'll read the whole text and then come back through it. But he's, he immediately says, I want you to stand firm in the Lord. Verse 2, I urge Eodia and I urge Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. He starts developing this phrase, in the Lord, through the text. And you'll see the phrase, in the Lord or in Christ, like seven times in nine verses here. It's a very significant part of it. To live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, or Syzygos, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel together with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord. Always, again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord's near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's of good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, Dwell on these things, the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things, and catch this last phrase, and the peace, the God of peace will be with you. Notice the, the entire paragraph is about harmony, and it's about peace. He starts with there's a problem of not being in harmony, and he ends with I want you to have the peace of God. That's where he's leading us. The whole text is around this theme of not being divided, but being united. There's so many popular verses that come out of this. We've snatched them out that we've, you've probably been unaware of or just missed the whole context. You know, this like verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. That's become a song. We, we, we sing it. Um, be anxious about nothing, but pray about everything. We rip that out. Uh, the context is a divided church that needs to be united and experience the peace of God. And all of these verses are part of the way forward. This is your plan. Are you divided with someone? What's your plan? You've got to stand firm in the Lord, and you've got to follow these principles. The first principle that must be followed there in verse 2 is to recognize, and I think yeah, we've got them up there. This is your bulletin this morning. It's also on the Version app. But this is your bulletin. So the first principle is to understand that 
division or divisiveness when it occurs with you in the church, in your family, in your marriage, it is a matter of crisis. And you must recognize it as crisis. Now, how do I see that in the text? Look at uh, verse 2. Notice the word urge. That's a strong word. I urge Yodia. And I, uh, there it is again, urge Syntyche to live in harmony. Those, he didn't just say, I want one of you to get your act together. No, both of them are urged. That same word we use, it's urgent. Urgently get into a mindset of living in harmony. It's not something you put off for a while. You know, I have people sometimes come to me for counseling, and like, let, let's take a, a married couple, and they come and say, you know, what's the problem? Why are you here? Uh, well, we just can't get along anymore. We can't even talk to one another. We can't communicate. Okay, um, well, how long has that been going on? <sighs> since, I guess since we got married, really. How long have you been married? 20 years? What? Our parents come and say, we just can't talk to our teenagers anymore. They just... I said, well, okay, how long has this been going on? Well, ever since they became a teenager. Well, how long have they been a teenager? Uh, Three years. What? You see, you're not seeing this as a crisis. If you let it go three years, if you let it go 20 years, you don't have in your mindset that this is a crisis. I urge you to do something about it now. This is not something you let go. We, We get in our minds sometimes, time's a healer. I'll just let this go. Maybe it'll work its way out. God says, no. I urge you. You got two ladies in this church that Paul's writing to that are divided. He says, I, he says let me just stop what I'm doing, my sermon right now. He says, and I want to call them out by name. You want me to start doing that? I'll see. I, I'll pick on you. Adam and Joseph. I heard you had a fight. Adam and er, Joseph. I urge you, you know, work it out. You know, it's, it's that kind of call out that this is a crisis. It's such a big deal that I tell the whole church. And I call them out by name. I urge you to fix this. Think about, you know, there's a lot of stuff in our relationships. We can live at one with one another because we have love for one another, and we allow a lot of things to, to come between us, and, and, and it's not a deal, a big deal. It's not divisive. So see, see between you and another person a, a river flowing nicely, and in that river, there's, there's lots of things but, that make up our relationship, and, we have, and so we bridge that river so that we can communicate with one another and love one another. We allow the debris, the, the sins of life to flow between us without constantly being at each other's throats. That's, that's the way we live. But at some point, this person that we're communicating with and we love, it's our spouse or our brother or our sister or our fellow believer in Christ. At some point, a log falls against the bridge. It's, it's a big deal. Something we strongly disagree with, with each other. That's what we're talking about. Crisis. Now, now we're not communicating. 
Now, we don't, now we're letting stuff go. Now we don't want to spend as much time with. Crisis. And what Paul is saying is, I urge you, get, move the log. Move the log. If you don't move the log that's fallen, and it's up against the bridge, what happens? All that stuff you were letting go, bye. It starts now attaching itself to the log, right? It has a barrier. And more and more stuff attaches to the log. And more and more pressure is put onto the bridge. And at some point, what happens? The bridge is gone. Because you didn't deal with the log. It destroys you eventually. Little by little, the pressure will destroy the bridge. That's why it's a crisis. It's a whole lot easier to move the log than it is to rebuild the bridge. Now, you can rebuild bridges, but that's tough. Try to come into a situation where people have already divorced and say, let's get back together. That's tough. When we could have done this 20 years ago and just moved the log. So if you know people that are strongly divided from you, what's your plan? First of all, you've got, that's why I say, you've got to recognize this is a crisis. We're going to see more and more explosive moments of destruction in our society if we don't step in and say, no, there's a way forward. There's a way of peace. And we must tackle it. Tackle it in our homes, in our churches, in our workplaces. And people begin to see, hey, that person knows how to live with others. They deal with the right stuff at the right time. They understand the crisis. Second principle that I want to give you in this passage is the principle of community. That we have to realize that we all have a part. Unity and peace, it's a matter of community. It's not a private affair. We want to say, well, that's, that's, that's their trouble. Let, let them deal with it. And God says, no, 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 no. Notice, notice verse 3. Um, well, in the verse uh, 2, says, I want Yodia and Syntyche, I want you to live in harmony. Indeed, and then you have this, my translation, true companion. Now, what's going on there? I, I, as I read it, I, I said, I would translate it Syzygos. It's, it's the Greek letters for a name. Commentators look at that and look up, indeed, Syzygos. Who is Syzygos? And historians have looked all the way through you know, this time period, and nobody can find a Syzygos. And so they said, he doesn't exist. And so since he doesn't exist, they've taken his name out, and they've inserted the meaning of Syzygos, which is true, command, true companion. So, but I see it as a real person. And, and Paul, even true companion, is like, who is Paul's true companion? Who is it? Well, then you've got to guess. Well, I don't know which one is... Which of his companions is, is the true companion he's talking about here? Does it really matter? I guess your view. Not a big point. The point is, he's talking about somebody. So he's just talked about two ladies who are not in harmony. Then he mentions a third person. Indeed. It's like indeed. Second principle. True companion or Syzygos. Syzygos. I ask you. So this third person, I ask you also to help these women. So it's not a private affair. These women are now being pointed out, and 
this man, I think, Syzygus, said, I want you to get involved. And then he mentions a fourth, look, um, who have shared in my struggle in the cause of the gospel together with Clement also. So a fourth person is brought in. And then what? The rest of my fellow workers, the whole church is brought in. It's not a private affair. It's a matter of community. Yodia, Syntyche, y'all have got a crisis. You're divided. Your views aren't aligned. Not standing firm in the Lord. Need to deal with it. Syzygus, you help them. Clement, you might ought to help them too. If that's not enough, the rest of you get involved and help them. And you see, that's, that's really the whole uh, aspect of church discipline that we understand and know in the Scriptures. You find it in Matthew 18, beginning at verse 15. It's the same principle. Um, we sometimes think uh, discipline is, is a bad thing. Uh, no, it's a good thing. It's a loving thing. It's something that uh, we, we have to do to, to grow. In uh, Matthew 18, verse 15, says, now, if your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. So, one of you is offended by another of you. Y'all get together. It's a matter of crisis. And, and work it out. And then the second step, is, it says here, verse 16, but if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you. So, that's Syzygus. Maybe Clement also with you. I would, I would much prefer Yodia and Syntyche to work it out. But if they can't do it, Syzygus, you go too. And Clement, maybe you also go. Let's, let's bring the pressure of the community to deal with the problem and create a firmness in the Lord we can all agree on. That's what's being asked for. And then the third step in, in discipline... And if that doesn't work, verse 17, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And that may mean going to the elders first, the leaders of the church, and they may bring in other people. But the whole concept is it's a community matter. There should be no division among us. And we're here to love one another, and love one another means we get involved in one another's life when divisiveness is among us. And we fix it by coming back to a firm stance and place in the Lord. So see, maintaining peace is not only a crisis matter, it's a community matter. What's your part? What's your part? So if, you know, your part is to be one with one another, if You've got to determine your part. If you can't succeed in that, then you've got to go and get one more. Get your Syzygus. Get your Clement. And say, come help me. And if that doesn't work, then you go to someone else in the church. The elders say, come help us. We must be one as God in Christ and the Father are one. Third principle, maintaining Christian peace is a matter of character. And the character mentioned in this text, we've looked at verses 2 and 3, the the character mentioned in this text begins really in verse 4. It's rejoicing. Um, it's gentleness, verse 5. It's prayer, verse 6. Um, it's, it's this faith that God's going to guard us, verse 7. 
Now let's look at that, that character that God is requiring uh, us to maintain peace with one another. First of all, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. That sounds to me like an unreasonable request in the midst of conflict, doesn't it? I mean, I, I don't feel like rejoicing when, uh, you know, you disagree with me because you're crazy, you know? Or you think, I'm crazy. And we don't feel like rejoicing with one another. We feel like fighting one another. And so God said, no, no, I got a different character for you altogether. I want you to rejoice. And again, I know this is difficult, so let me say it again. Rejoice. How? In the Lord. Notice, notice this word rejoice is surrounded by just the, the, probably the, the, the richest concept in the, in the text. The last phrase of verse 3, whose names are in the book of life. And then rejoice, how? In the Lord. So what's surrounding this word rejoice? In the book of life, in the Lord. And rejoice is sandwiched in. So these phrases are somehow modifying that word. It's, it's explaining that foundation for rejoicing. Why, what are you going to rejoice about? Rejoice that their names are in the book of life or take it on the other side. Rejoice that we together or they together are in the Lord. See, that's pretty significant. I can rejoice about that. And it's a good reminder that if there's someone I am uh, divided against, to remind myself, and this works for me over and over and over, to remind myself the person that I disagree with, the person who disagrees with me, we together have our names recorded in the book of life. We're going to spend eternity together. We, of all the people in the nation, of all the people in the world, have been particularly singled out, and our names have been written down in God's book. We have an inheritance together. We are both in the Lord. We are both individuals for whom Christ died. Christ shed his blood for you, not just for me. If Christ saw fit to purchase you with his blood, can I not rejoice in that? Can I not rejoice that I have a secure future and it's with you and you with me? That's what's special. That's what's significant here. Just rejoice. Let me say it again. Rejoice. Our names are in the book of life. We are together in the Lord. Our passion is to stand firm in the Lord. That doesn't happen with just everybody. That's somebody I can lay down myself to. Now, what does it remind me of? It reminds me that it's not about me. It's about the Lord. When you want to fight... Just tell me, can you, it's, it's, it's different. We, there's things that we need to fight for in the Lord, yes. But most of the time, that's not what we're doing. Like I said, there's nobody even asking me, what's the Lord's position? Just, I just want to know what your position is. 
And you want to know what my position is. And then we want to fight. We, we've got to get to the place. How, how, how do we get in the book of life? How do we get in the Lord? You all know it here. It's we're saved by what? Grace. Amazing grace. Not by your works. You didn't get in the book of life by works. You didn't get in the book of life by having the right view. You didn't get in the book of life by your intelligence. You didn't get in the book of life by voting Democrat or voting Republican. You didn't get in the book of life by anything that has to do with your works, intelligence, or good looks. You got in the book of life by grace. I am not good. None of us are good. No, not one. I am not good, but I am in the Lord. We don't get that. If we got that, I am not good, then I can lay down my view. My view is probably not that good. But I'm in the Lord. And I can rejoice in that because that takes me from here to there. That gets me home safely. Being in the book of life, I don't have to worry about my future. I'm in the book. I'm in the Lord. Go to that person you're divided with, against and with and say, you know, I'm not good. I'm really not. I probably don't get it. Probably not that smart. Not much to look at. But I'm in the Lord. I'm in the Lord. I think you are too. Why don't we start there? Why don't we just work on that? What a, what a change of character. That's the character we need. That we, our foundation is being in Christ. Not being the one who can articulate our view stronger and more influentially than others. But being in Christ. Second characteristic that he mentions, look at this. Boy, I don't have time to develop it. This is lost my place in Philippians, but it's, it's gentleness. Verse 5, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. Wow. Don't be known for the fight. Be known for a gentleness. Gentle shepherd, come and lead us. Come and lead us. Let that gentleness be known to all men. Especially these people we're divided with. So there needs to be a gentleness. Like, yeah, David doesn't agree with me. He doesn't have the same view with me. But he appreciates me. He's sensitive to me. He's gentle with me. And he's always leading me back to being in the Lord. So he's somebody I can agree to disagree with. Because there's a gentleness there that breaks that division, that division down. Isn't that what we need? That's the characteristic that he's asking for in this, uh, this uh, time of div divisiveness. And then the, the fourth one, uh, verse uh, 6. Drop in the anxiousness. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Are you not anxious with, for people to agree with you? I want you on my side. I want us together to fight. God says, no, 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 no. lay all that down. Anxious for nothing. You, you've got requests. You've got supplications. Why don't you give them to the Lord? Instead of keep trying to fight other people. 
It's like Joel said a minute ago. He could spend a lot of time talking to us, but, but how many times do we say, but I, I need far more just to talk to the Lord. I need, I need to pray more and more and more. I need to make, let God know my supplications. Let God know my requests. Um, it's prayer, so, so important. And then the characteristic of just trust and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you have that much faith that if you don't get your view, that if you don't get your way, that if the church doesn't open when you want it to open, that if it doesn't do the things you want to do, if you have prayed, if you've been gentle, you've prayed, do you have enough faith to say, I'm going to be all right. God's going to guard me. I trust God to guard me. God knows what he wants from me. That's, that's rest in Christ through humility that's so badly needed today that the world needs to see. Yet we're prudent. We seek to be wise. We seek to make safeguards. We seek to be sensitive and gentle. We seek to embrace different views and try to bring us all to a place of unity in the Lord. We seek all of that. But if we don't get it, we still rest at peace. It's a peace that passes understanding. People say, how are you, you so confident that you're okay? Because I'm guarded by Christ. Remember, my, my name's in the book. I'm already going to get home safely. I don't have to secure my own safety for heaven. I will arrive safely home. And I'm guarded by Christ all the way there, every step. Do we have that kind of character, of re, uh, the ability to rejoice, be gentle, to pray, and to trust? That's our step forward. That's clearly part of what God wants us to do. Fourth principle, maintaining Christian peace is a matter of contemplation. You get verse 8, which again is one of those popular verses that's kind of snatched out of context and just thrown into uh, lots of areas. Uh, it applies a lot of places. I, I don't mean to be negative about that, but I want you to see it in the context of divisiveness. Finally, verse 8, finally, brethren, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's of good repute, if there's anything of excellence, anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Now, first of all, he's saying, I want you to, basically, I want you to start thinking better thoughts, right? Why? Renewing our mind is a prerequisite to reforming our behavior. You're not going to start acting better unless you start thinking better. And so finally, brethren, he said, let's, let's talk about what we think about first. And we need to think differently in order to behave differently. One of the things I often tell a, a couple who's constantly fighting with one another, like put a post-it note on your head and write on the post-it note, not your enemy. So important. I said, when you look at your husband, when you look at your wife, I want you to see. What does it say there? It says, not your enemy. Why do I want them to see that? 
because I want them to quit treating each other like they're each other's enemies. If that person is not your enemy, why are you fighting them? If you're on the same team, why are you not on the same team? And then after you get, finally recognize this, yeah, that person's not my enemy. That's the person that loves me better than anybody. That's the person I'm maybe not showing it too good right now, but that's, that's that person who's, who's made a vow to me. And that's the person who loves our kids more than anyone, who will die for them. That's not my enemy. Then you transport it, well, what do you know that's true? Well, that's my partner. That's my lover. That's my friend. When you start thinking about what's true, about what's right, about what's pure in this relationship, you start behaving that way. It changes your behavior if you think the right thoughts. We must see that changing what we think about is a prerequisite to uh, changing our behavior. So what do we know even from this text? It's people that we're divided against. Uh, finally, brethren, whatever's true, what would be in Paul's mind? Well, it's true that I, you're in the Lord. It's true that your names are in the book of life. It's true that Christ purchased you with his own blood. Think about what's true. How can you treat badly someone Christ built his blood over? How? How can you go against that kind of value God has put on us? By giving us his own blood. So, so think about what's true that you know about this person in the Lord. Think about uh, what is, you know, what's the next word? What, what is, whatever's honorable. What would be the honorable thing to do here? What would honor God in this relationship? That we start asking what's in the Lord, that we come back to a stance that is distinctly biblical. It's honorable to God. It's right. It's pure, the pure word of God. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by the word of God. We come back to those things. That would have a good reputation even in the saints of God. If there's anything like that of excellence, anything, you know, dwell on those things. That's the principle being asked for. Then the fifth principle, maintaining Christian peace is a matter of conduct. It's interesting, verse 9 says, you've seen the conduct. The focus there is on practice. The things you've learned, received and heard and seen in me, here's the emphasis, practice. See, now if you've got the right thoughts, you need to have the right practice. And you should have seen those from your leader. Paul says, you've seen them in him. You've seen some of this in your leader. Follow that leader. Practice that same practice of being at peace with one another. See, we're still talking about Yodia and Syntyche. Two ladies who couldn't get along. And this is the plan to work it out and to have that peace. There's so much there. I was going to try to keep the service to an hour and a half. So I'm going to slow down. Wind this up, okay? From the first day of the pandemic, when the interim guidelines came out, it's like I started getting emails and texts, and what are we going to do? So it's a crisis. We've got to do something. We're divided. And as I polled our elders, we didn't all have the same views. So, well, we need to get together. We need to think what's, what's the right view, what's true and right and honorable for the church. What do we do during this time? 
And of course, almost most churches, most churches agreed that if there was the real potential of hospital overrun with COVID-19 cases, then for the love of our neighbor, we, did, we didn't need to let that happen. If we, even if, if our economy suffered, we could close down for a while, do things online, do things differently, and be at peace. And so that's what we chose to do. And then after it's become clear now that hospitals are not overrun, that we've got bed space. If you get COVID-19, there is a place for you to go now, and there's a hospital staff who have uh, had to take pay cuts because they don't have enough patients now, and they're, they're, they're welcoming those patients back. Um, and so now we're divided. Well, do we go back, or do we just keep doing what we're doing? Well, from day one, I've had people uh, email or text me and say, don't close, don't close. You should not close. And then I've had other people say, no, you should close until they say we should open. Who is they? The CDC or somebody like that. And then as we've moved a little bit further, I've had people say, it's time to open. Let's open. And I've had other people say, no, don't open until late summer, maybe fall. And that divisiveness just keeps going through that. And there's been times during that communication that I've gotten mad in my own you know, a little cubicle. People didn't see it, thankfully. But there's been times, you know, I'm sitting down reading this email, and I'm, I'm getting up, and I'm, my head's spinning, and I'm building arguments, and I'm, I'm thinking of how I can, I can just, I can blast you. I, I can tell you. I can put you in your place. And I've thought about that, and I thought, Amen. She said, that's wrong. Forgive me. Forgive me. I don't want to fight you. I don't want to be divided with you. I don't want that. I want to love you more and more and more. Because our names are in the book of life together. Because we're in the Lord. I want the character of being able to rejoice with you. That I'm praying everything for you. That I'm trusting everything to Christ. And I'm seeking to firmly be in His view. Not your view and not my view. But that we would be one in Him. Let's pray together. Father, forgive us for cultivating disunity when we are one. Forgive us for fighting towards division and divorce when we are one. Father, forgive us for not seeing the crisis soon enough, for not involving the body of Christ completely enough for not rejoicing enough that we are purchased with your blood and seeking to maintain the family of God as that precious vessel you have come to redeem. Father, we thank you for our redemption, for those in this room or those who hear this recording that have no peace with God. 
we ask that you would grant them that today. That they would come to see they can't have peace with man until they are in the Lord. Until they have peace with God. Grant them forgiveness. Grant them mercy. Draw them to yourself. And then we, may we be there to show them the beauty, the love, the joy that we have found in the Lord, in Christ. We thank you, Father, for this opportunity to hear your word, to begin growing in such a way the world might see Christ. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we uh, come to take the Lord's Supper uh, together, the most exhaustive passage of Scripture on the Lord's Supper is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 20 says, When you meet together to eat the Lord's Supper, it's one of the verses we looked at years ago. It said, We need to have the Lord's Supper every time we meet. We meet together. One of the primary reasons is to eat the Lord's Supper. And then it goes to describe how to Take the Lord's Supper rightly. And Paul gives this instruction, verse 23. I received from the Lord, which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing he is to eat of the bread, and he is to drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep. But if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But we, which, when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. As the elders and I talked about this, uh, we all agreed. It might be a great time to just share with you. You never take the Lord's Supper when it's not a risk. I just read you the risk. God says, every time you take the Lord's Supper, it's a risk to do so. He says, I want, but you need to deal with the risk in such a way that you want to take it. You want to take the risk. You want to eat the Lord's Supper because you want to proclaim the Lord has died for me and He nourishes me. His body is in me. His blood has been given to me. You want to proclaim that. That's part of what we want to do. It's an aspect of our worship. But God says some people have been playing with God. And they don't take the Lord's Supper to proclaim the Lord. They take it for some other reason. They don't examine themselves first. And say, yes, he died for my sin, so I need to be done with sin. They don't take it that way. And so as a result, God says, I'm in the room. And so I, I afflict them with weakness or sickness. And some of them have been playing with me in such a manner, I afflict them with death. They sleep. That's pretty risky. If you take this bread and you take this wine, you could get the virus. 
You can get sick. You can get weak. You can die. God promises us that every time we take. But that risk needs to be told in such a way that you still want to take. There's no risk-free living before the Lord. Our actions have consequences. And so we've, we've tried to be prudent and tried to be, take all of the preparation. But no matter what our physical preparation is, are you spiritually prepared? There's a spiritual risk. So examine yourself. Say, God, you're in me. I want to take the bread in me. You're in me. I want to take the wine in me. I want the symbolism that you are the one in me nourishing me. And I want to proclaim to those around me. I want people to see me take the bread. I want people to see me take the cup. Because I want a public proclamation that I have no good in myself, but I'm in the Lord. And only He covers my sin. And I am serious to deal with my sin. When the Spirit convicts me, I come to this table and say, Lord, remove that from me. If I have not been treating you rightly, Lord, enable me to practice that now. Cover that sin. I believe Christ died for it. And give me the nourishment needed to live holy and righteous lives. Um, there have been people asking me to give them a guarantee if they come to church that they, will be, they won't get the virus. I can't give you that guarantee. I can't give you the guarantee you won't get sick from taking the Lord's Supper on a good day. Not even on a bad day. What I can give you is faith in the Lord, trust in the Lord. God says, you live with me rightly. I want to bless you. God wants to bless us. He wants to nourish us. He wants to lavish his love. He says, are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Are you weary? Are you feeble? Come. Come. Come and eat. Come and drink of the Lord. But do it seriously. This is not a religious ritual. I don't know how to articulate it differently. It's not a religious ritual. This is a reality of time with the Lord. That when you take the bread and the wine, you're saying, God, I trust you. I trust you with this. You're going to guard my heart, my mind, my body. You are my Savior, my Redeemer. I don't trust myself with this. I trust you with this. Um, so don't, though we've tried to do everything so you can trust us leaders, ultimately, you must trust the Lord with this. And let it be a time of communing, saying that to Him. So before I invite the officers and each of you forward, let me pray for this meal. Let's pray together. Father, we live a risky life. We all know that there's, we have, we don't know tomorrow what it brings. We don't know today, this later today. But we trust a God who knows all possibilities, who is sovereign, who can keep us from stumbling and falling becoming sick or ill, who can bring us home safely. We trust you. Enable us to examine ourselves as your spirit works in our heart right now. If there is someone we need to 
meet later today or this week and deal with our divisive spirit, Lord, we, we turn that over to you. And we ask that you would forgive us of our sins and that you would lead us from this place in righteousness. May the taking of the bread and the wine remind us that every sin was so serious to you, you laid down your life for our pardon. Father, help us to be done with the sins that we're convicted of now and begin to grow more and more in that gentle, righteous spirit that you have for us. May this meal be something we see the Savior inviting us to. And the joy, may the joy overflow us that we are yours and we are guarded by you. We delight in proclaiming you. Lord, bless this meal with the safety of your spirit, with the examination of your spirit, so that we are truly more and more conformed to the image of Christ. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen. The Lord, on the night in which he was betrayed, gave his disciples bread. He says, this one loaf he had before him. He said, this is symbolical of a one Christ. You each take a piece, but it's a symbol of our unity. We are one in Christ. Take and eat in remembrance of Christ. And then after that, he gave them the cup and said, the cup is the new covenant. He said, I've made a covenant with you in my blood that I have shed my blood for many people's forgiveness. So drink of this cup in remembrance of that. I ask the officers to come and lead us. Let us take of the Lord's Supper. The storms of life are breaking, faithless fears are, hearts are shaking, forsaken, undertaking, Lord and
Joy. 
Let's go from this place with joy on our lips and in our hearts as we lift high the name of Jesus together.
Receive God's blessing. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace, both now and forevermore. Amen.